You're listening to the Metaphysical Mentor Podcast with Michael Philpott, providing you inspiration, information, knowledge, and motivation to help you on your soul's path. Covering topics related to health and happiness from the mystical to the metaphysical and everything in between. Making the unknown known. Now let's join the podcast to discover today's topic. And we are recording. Hello, Don. How are you? Hi, Michael. I'm great. Thanks. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I have to say, a little special shout out to Cheryl for connecting us. I, you know, uh, and that's Opie's connection. So, Cheryl, thank you so much. Uh, I've heard so many good things about you, Don, and about your uh, amazing ability to read astrological charts and all your knowledge. On I loved your post too, as well. And uh, we're going to get into really the depths of astrology, but we're going to go a little more detail. Uh, I've, I've got a lot of people ask me, you know, they, Mike, you know, I, I love astrology. Can you just find somebody who can really explain the planets, the planetary influences on that? And uh, we're hopefully we're going to talk about that today and then maybe get into birth charts too, as well. We may go off in a tangent. I don't know. I just, it's, I feel like one of those shows where we're just going to go with the flow. Absolutely. Yeah. Sounds there. Good. So I have a, a beverage there. So how did you get into astrology? Was it something that you always, um, you know, found fascinating or was it just basically, you know, uh, you know, a few years later, you hated your job and you thought you don't want to find something different than, uh, you know, sitting in a corporate desk? Yes. And yes, <laughs> I grew up uh, in the South and reading the farmer's almanac. That's really where I started to really get, um, a love for the heavens because my grandfather was a farmer. We planned everything by the farmer's almanac. It was always posted on the refrigerator, you know, when the moon cycles happen, when the best time to plant your crops were, when the best time to pick them, the harvest, you know, everything was um, gauged around this farmer's almanac. And that is a very young child. That's where I got very interested in it. I did end up working in the medical, um, traditional medical field for over 26 years. And always loved um, the holistic aspect of healing, um, much of what was still missing in uh, healthcare when I left in 2018. Consequently, when Uranus moved into my sun sign, that radical game changer. And um, it had become a moral compromise anyway. And I just decided to really pursue my passions and do um, holistic um, wellness and astrology and herbalism. And um, astrology has really just kind of led the way in that. Yeah, I, I, I always I always find it so fascinating, even to this day. I mean, I don't know a lot. I mean, I consider myself a little bit of a moron when it comes to actually knowing a lot. I mean, I have friends of mine that actually don't uh, don't really do astrology, but they know so much about it. And they'll say, oh, Mike, did you see what happened in Capricorn today? And I'm going, no, uh, I have no clue. But I said, yeah, OK, I get it. It's cool. And um, that's what I love about it. It's just so fascinating, but there's so much, you know, there's a lot of controversy, but there's a lot of science and a lot of good people backing it. You know, I knew uh, like, was it Carl Jung uh, followed astrology, <clears throat> uh, Rudolf Steiner, uh, Edgar Casey. I mean, that's my guy. I love Edgar Casey. Yes. And yeah. a lot of these people really talked about the planetary influences and how it really is. So if I had to ask you, so what is, astrology then so what is uh, astrology have you had to kind of give it a you know uh, a definition of it what is your kind of a, a definition of astrology my definition of astrology would be understanding the cycles of the heavens of the cosmos of the stars and the planetary bodies you know astronomy and astrology go hand in hand the ancients um, did not differentiate they were the mapping system for keeping up with the energies at play as the stars and the planets um, really gave time to the seasons um, and the shifts. And so they started to mark these patterns throughout history, almost as like a cosmic clock, a timekeeping record. And it's still the same process in place today. I do think we have a much bigger shift in that awareness of it. And it, we're going back to the way it used to be when it was not a, a taboo subject and it was um, a little more widely accepted. And I think there is that shift. People are uh, looking at apps and guess where Capricorn uh, or what's in Capricorn today because it's more readily available and you know we are as a species as a humanity shifting into that desire for 
a higher consciousness, a higher understanding of the spiritual realms and the heavenly bodies and what happens beyond this physical world. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, like, like I said, I, I'm always so fascinated too. And one of the things I found out about it was it's a lot of it is uh, from my understanding was a little bit about it's how the soul journeys through this particular solar system and how it sojourns into planet earth and how the various planets are affecting it. But we also spent time on other planets, which I thought was okay, really? We have spent all this time. But then, you know, as I do more research, we have all these planetary influences that affect us through our, our lifetime uh, on this earth. And I want to know if we can talk really about going depth about planetary influences. And I don't know where you want to start. You want to start from like from the, the sun and work our way all the way to Pluto and just figure on that. Would that work for you? It would. And I think exactly what you said about the, the soul's journey, actually um, the whole map of the planet, starting with the first sign, which is Aries and Mars really does signify the hero's journey um, in astrology and historically. <clears throat> and um, so that starts out the first sign of the Zodiac. Our sun and our moon are our luminaries. They're our uh, ruling body, the sun is the center of our solar system and the sun in our personal life represents the spark of who we are just like the sun holds our entire you know all of the planets together our spark of divinity is our sun and i like to describe the sun as as our spirit you know and our our creative initiation into this lifetime and so the way the zodiac will works the way the planets and the signs work is that when we're born we have a snapshot of where the planets were in what signs in the cosmos at the time of our birth and this map really is um kind of like a compass or a navigation tool for our life that is fixed it does not change but we can track how the current planets moving through the skies, um, um, where they're falling in our chart and what houses and what planets they're hitting. And our specific chart, if we watch where the transiting planets are landing, it can give us an idea, some clues of how to navigate it. It really is like a cosmic weather forecast. It can tell us, you know, um, that awareness, that awareness of who we are and how we behave that's that's really the draw in astrology is we want to understand ourselves you know and how to best navigate this this evolutionary process in this incarnation what our strengths are what our weaknesses are how to overcome them and um those are all clues that can be found within the natal chart so if you want to start out through um the planets and the signs uh, it begins with Aries, that's the first sign of the zodiac, and it goes all the way around to Pisces, and they rule the 12 houses. And so a lot of people get confused about what sign and planet rules what house. And if you always remember, Aries is the beginning. If this is a circle with 12 sections, like a piece of a pizza or a pie, the first slice is Aries. That's the emergence into this lifetime, into the physical body, the identity, and it rules the first house of identity. And the ruler of Aries is Mars. That is our action, our drive, our passion, what um, our ego identity, you know, in a human form. This is our emerging into a physical body um, from the spiritual realm. And that starts out the first house and it goes all the way through to the final house, which is the house of transcendentalism, the 12th house ruled by Pisces. That is the final sign. And that's when our spirit leaves the body and goes on into that Piscean realm, the, the after the physical, the heavenly realm, the nebulous realm that we don't know around because we really um, can't see it right now. We spend our whole life trying to remember. So if you want me to take you through the signs in the houses, it starts with Aries. That's okay, the let's, sign yeah. of identity. Yeah, let's do that. Let's, let's start with Aries and work our way around. Because I know a lot of people listen to the, uh, will be listening to this and they'll be like, oh, thank God she's explaining this. Because, yeah, yeah. I, mean, because I think it's really important because like you said, there's so many times, oh, I'm in Aries, I'm in this and that, but you really don't get the depth of what it really means. So if you if you know that you're a Pisces, if you know that you're you're ruled by Venus, and you know what your influences are. So you can kind of go, hmm. So the first thing is to know the signs and then their ruling body. Um, and also the three, we hear the, the top three or what are your number three 
um, planets, and that is your sun sign, your moon sign, and your rising sign. Your sun sign is where the sun was when you were born, your horoscope, your core identity, your moon sign. The moon rules our emotions, so that's how you behave emotionally, and that's really important to know is your moon sign because the moon is the fastest traveling planetary body that we have. It changes signs every two and a half days. That's why our emotions change all of the time. But if you know where the moon was when you were born, what your moon sign is, you can know that's your core emotional makeup. And if you know, for example, I'm a Libra moon and Libra is ruled by Venus. I know Venus rules my emotions, right? Um, and so you can learn to navigate your emotions with that knowledge. And then our rising sign is what we rise to become. It's also synonymous with the ascendant. So the rising sign, the ascendant, they're the same thing. So this is what we rise to become or ascend to become. I think of the rising sign as our spiritually evolved self, right? Okay. Um, so those are the top three, sun, moon, rising. If you don't know anything else about astrology, if you can get those core three basics that will give you so much information about yourself so that you can hear things like, oh, you know, I'm a Libra moon and the moon is in Libra today. What does that mean? That's your comfort zone, your emotion. You're feeling pretty good. You're feeling at home. And then if it's in Libra's opposite sign or um, a sign ruled by Mars, which is Venus's opposite, then you might feel a little uncomfortable. So those things are really important. Top three. And so if you're starting out with the signs, Aries is the emergence, um, the first house of identity. And then the second house is Taurus. It's the second sign of the Zodiac. The astrological year starts with Aries, ends with Pisces. It's not January like the, the typical calendar that we followed. So the second sign is Taurus ruled by Venus. And that rules the second house of what we value as we're waking up in this world. Um, our physical senses, you know, uh, here's our identity in the first house, second house is what do we value? What do we have that we can hold and touch and taste and, and smell? You know, we're, we're emerging into this awareness of our senses. And the third house is the house of communication. I speak, it's the throat chakra. And the third house is ruled by Gemini and Gemini is ruled by the planet Mercury. And Mercury, I will throw this in here, is the only neutral planet. All planets are either hot or cold, masculine or feminine, yin or yang, with the exception of Mercury. Mercury is a neutral planet. It is the androgynous planet. It is the ambiguous planet. Um, it's the shapeshifter, you know, if you think of Mercury. And so it can traverse the underworld and the upper world equally. And so I love that um, mutability, that movability that fluidity of Mercury. And it represents our mind, our ability to receive thoughts and communicate them, you know, house of communication. And then you go into the fourth house and all of these, if you think of your birth chart as a circle, as a wheel, this is the bottom half below the horizon, that ascendant AC-DC line where the sun was rising and falling. It cuts the circle in half. And so the first part of our life is below the horizon, the first six houses identity house, the <clears throat> values and senses house, the speak house. And then we get into the fourth house of home, family, security within the home, um, feeling safe and secure within our home. This, this is our parents and our upbringing um, and that awareness. There's also our unconscious past. I always say we, we chose to incarnate into this lifetime, but the fourth house of family is the unconscious past, because if, if we've been <laughs> conscious of some of those things, we might not have chosen it. Right. I always um, say that. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a house you can look to for ancestral lineage and ancestral traumas and things like that. Um, it holds a lot of keys to past lives, the fourth house, because this is your ancestry, your lineage, your soul's lineage, not just in this lifetime, but in many before. And oh, so that's, I, that's really interesting. It is. So the fourth house of home and family and unconscious past of course, the 12th house of transcendentalism beyond the veil, we can get a clue into our past and future lives. And then the eighth house of life, death and rebirth. Those are the three you look to when you're, you're studying your, your, your past incarnations um, <clears throat> to start with. Those are some of the areas. And then you get into the fifth house. Now, the fifth house is ruled 
Oh, I'm sorry. The fourth house, by the way, is ruled by cancer and the moon. So this is the divine mother. Cancer is a water sign. It's the emotions and the moon rules our emotions. So this is Lady Luna. You know, this is the emotional matriarchal family house, the fourth house. And then you get into the fifth house, which is ruled by the sun. So the moon in the fourth, the sun in the fifth, the feminine, the masculine, the yin, the yang, fourth house, fifth house. And the fifth house ruled by the sun, which is our creative spark, is our house of childlike joy. It's the house of joy. It's the house of that spark of divinity and where we find our gifts and our talents and our creativity and all these unique characteristics is your fifth house. How you let your light shine, you know, your solar fire, that heat and intensity of your soul. How do you let that shine? What are your gifts and your talents? That's your fifth house. And it's associated with childlike joy, which is real joy, you know, not joy and things that have been programmed, but that core joy of incarnating into a human form and experiencing life on the physical. And then the sixth house, this is the bottom six houses of the, the chart. The sixth house is the house of job sector. When we start to go to work, this is our um, health and wellness, uh, where we're being aware of our body and our service to others. And so the job sector is found in that sixth house. And um, this is where we figure out our talents and we learn to serve others. All of this is the first half of our life. And then we get above that horizon line into the outward experience. Um, and it's the seventh house. Um, oh, I didn't tell you. The fifth house is ruled by Virgo yep. and Mercury. Virgo and Mercury. Mm -hmm. so why both? So why is that house? Virgo is the sign. And it is an earth sign and Mercury is the ruling planet of Virgo. And interestingly, there are only two planets that co-rule. Mercury rules Gemini and Virgo. Venus rules Taurus and Libra. Every other sign has a traditional or a modern ruler. Uh, so only Mercury and Venus share two signs. And that's because there were originally, you know, the inner planets. And then later we discovered the outer planets. And um, so that's how astronomy and astrology worked this out. So Virgo um, is ruled by Mercury. So this is our thought processes, but it's our service to others. And so different from a Gemini Mercury, which is communication, and Gemini's like to, you know, it rules that third house of speech and communication and likes to get all the information, gather everything, wants to have the conversation, doesn't care if it's good, bad, otherwise, you know, false, true, useful, it just wants the information. And a lot of media, a lot of writers have Gemini third house placements. Now, the sixth house of, of Virgo ruled by Mercury, this is a different mercurial mind. This is the dissemination of facts. Virgo gathers all the information to disseminate the evidence to see if it's true, is it false? And most importantly, is it useful? And how can I best use this information to do a job in the most efficient way possible? Because remember, this is our service to others, our job, our job sector. So that's Virgo in the sixth house. And then we get above the horizon line to the seventh house, our outward experience in life, the second half of our life. And the seventh house rules our intimate partnerships. Traditionally in astrology, this is the marriage house. Yeah. It is ruled by Libra, which is ruled by Venus. These are our interpersonal relationships, right? And just like Venus rules Taurus in the second house of values, now, Venus and Libra is what do I value in my intimate love relationships? Because Venus rules our values in love and money, romance and resources, right? Makes sense. <clears throat> yes. And so this is our interconnectedness on an intimate level. That's the seventh house. Then we get to the eighth house ruled by Scorpio and Pluto is the ruler of Scorpio. Now the eighth house is life, death, rebirth. This is the transformation house. This is the process of regeneration or transconfiguration. It's your archetypal Phoenix rising from the ashes house. You know, if you think of people that are born um, in October during Scorpio season, we think of Halloween, and that's very Scorpionic, Plutonian. What's hidden 
in the dark um, that we don't like to talk about in the light of day. And so this is the process of dying and being reborn, our facing our shadow in order to seek the light. You see, it's very symbolic of facing the dark in order to transmute it to light, whether that's an actual life, death, and rebirth, or it's, um, you know, it's a metaphorical rebirth or a transformation, but it is our house of transformation. And consequently, Pluto being the ruler of Scorpio, uh, the modern ruler, Mars was the ruler of Scorpio before Pluto was discovered. Pluto is the farthest away from the sun. So it's in the dark, um, in the darkest part in relation to our sun. Yet Pluto rules our soul's evolutionary growth. So if you want to know really some key secrets and insights to your purpose of evolving in this lifetime, look to where Pluto is in your chart. It's a big, big key, big, big key. What needs to transform? What must be rebirthed in this lifetime in order for your soul to evolve? That's Pluto in Scorpio, eighth oh. house themes. And um, then you get into the ninth house of higher spiritual truth. This is ruled by Sagittarius and the ruler of Sagittarius is Jupiter. Sagittarius is the scholar the teacher, the guru, and Jupiter is the higher spiritual truth, the truth seeker, also the great benefic, the most beneficial planet in our solar system, because it's always seeking the truth. And so Jupiter is known for expansion, abundance, um, luck, and optimism, and Sagittarius, which consequently, um, well, when you air this, it won't be, but today we just, the sun just moved into Sagittarius season yesterday. And um, so this is more uh, fun loving. Sagittarius is the, the explorer and that's how they become the scholar. They learn all different types of cultures and religions and philosophies. This is the spiritual seer, the, um, the priest, the teacher, uh, the shaman, right? And so they've done this and they've gained this knowledge because they've studied all types of cultures and they like to travel at least, you know, whether it's studying different cultures or literally traveling there. So Sagittarius is associated with um, world travel. And that is in the um, intent of discovering the truth. That's why it wants to explore. That's why it wants to travel. And so that's the ninth house of higher spiritual truth. And um, so then we get to the very top of our solar chart, the highest apex. And then we get into the 10th house of our soul purpose, our life path, our career. What's interesting about this, Michael, is just like the chart is cut in half this way, it's also cut in half this way. So we have four quadrants. Well, we were below the horizon in the first six and now we're above the horizon and the last six and then this is the midpoint the very pinnacle of our life and so this is a very important part in the astrology chart and this is what's called the midhaven it's that line that cusp that separates the ninth house of higher spiritual truth and the tenth house of soul purpose so i always say that the sixth house is the job sector and the 10th house is the work that we incarnated to do on a soul level. So that's the real meat and potatoes of why that's you're the, here. In it is. And oftentimes what I find um, with clients is they start out in that six house job sector and their spirit and their talents and their passions naturally draw them, you know, to this workforce field. And then as they evolve and spiritually um, discover their evolutionary path, oftentimes that 10th house of soul purpose is the higher spiritual expression of the job. Wow. You see? Yeah. yeah. And that happens oftentimes. Um, for example, I worked in traditional healthcare, six housework, um, left and opened up a more metaphysical, spiritual type of practice, including astrology, that's the higher expression of the health and wellness. And you see, it's still healthcare is still offering that, but it's the higher vibration of it. And oftentimes we do this without even realizing it. We just follow our spirits leading, but that 10th house is the sole purpose work. Yeah. And so it's really important to look at that line, that, that top apex of your chart, that mid haven, that MC 
IC line because that separates your ninth house of spiritual truth and your 10th house of soul purpose. And that's often the area that astrologers look to for your future trajectory, for your career, for your soul path, where you're headed. So you want to see where, where that point is at the top of your chart, the midhaven. Yeah. Uh, sorry, <coughs> sorry, I find that's why so many people, when they go to astrology, that's what they're looking for is that combination between you know, the work life, okay, you know, everybody can get a job, but you know, somehow if the job can influence into the spiritual thing. So you have a little bit more deeper meaning to that. And so many people get lost. And I know for the last couple of years, you know, with, with the crazy COVID lockdowns, people are changing jobs and it's just kind of like, okay, waking them up to that. Have you found that a lot of your clients are now shifting more to, they're trying to figure out that midhaven. They're trying to figure out that's that, you know, what's my spiritual cause? What am I doing here? Where's the bigger picture? But how can I, you know, navigate that part as my job too, as well? Yes, there's a huge shift in this. And this has happened over the past few years. And we see this, whether it's um, this shift into understanding um, higher consciousness, higher spiritual realms, a spiritual awakening that we've seen, you know, transpire in humanity. Um, often, brought on by catastrophes, like you were talking about, there's nothing that, that creates community like a catastrophe, right? And so we're all looking for the deeper meaning uh, as a humanity, you know, as a species, we're looking for the deeper meaning. And because of certain circumstances, the astrological events that play out in real world events, uh, we're having to take a deeper look at what we value in terms of our job and is it bringing us joy and is it going to sustain us? And in fact, all of the astrology of 2022 will be exactly that. And I'm sure we'll touch on that. Um, oh, yeah. I'm going to ask you about that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we'll certainly touch on that because a lot of those uh, things will come to fruition. And so that 10th house is your sole purpose house, and it is ruled by Capricorn, and Capricorn is ruled by Saturn. Saturn is Lord of Karma, Father Time. It's our karmic um, expression in this lifetime, and uh, it's also the taskmaster, the mastery of self. Uh, a lot of... Um, People have an idea, and I know I have myself, of, of Saturn being this square, you know, rule follower. You're going to get smacked on the hand if you get uh, caught with your hand in the cookie jar and it doesn't want us to have any fun. But we are living in this amazing time where this suppressive, oppressive, follow the rules because Capricorn is the authority and is the governmental everyday systems of our life, you know, where we go to school, where we go to work, where we bank, um, how our governmental bodies, our economy, everything is ruled by Capricorn. This rules the 10th house of career and soul purpose. And then Saturn is um, that structure that supports this. And it does this by mastering our own skill. And so there's this other side to Saturn, which we are living in this amazing time that we get to see because Saturn transiting has moved into Aquarius. And this is an energy of Saturn that any of us alive right now really never experienced. And this is a new Saturn. Um, this is Saturn in ancient domicile in Aquarius, where it used to rule prior to the discovery of Uranus. And so this is a Saturn that says, I don't care what you're creating. I don't care how unusual it is. I don't even care if it's ever been done before. I just want to know, do you love it? Are you going to commit to it? Are you going to follow it through to the end? And if so, I will allow this to be a structure that supports you for the long haul. So this is new Saturn energy, new karmic so energy. View. Can you just repeat that again? Because I think that's so profound for people who are listening, because I know a lot of people are struggling and little things like that. But I love that idea about the support. And if you're willing to just, you know, stick with it and you know that, you know, there's, it's almost like it's divinely waiting for you to kind of express yourself. And it's like, Hey, we got you, but you got to do a little bit of work too. You know, we're not going to let it, you just it is follow through to the end. If you think about Capricorn, if you know anything about the signs, even in a parallel um, a modality, like the tarot, it is depicted as the devil card because um, you know, it can be this oppressive energy, but there's this ain't the ancient mythology of Saturn, if you, if you go back historically, and Saturn, yes, is that um, it, what it says is 
the path is narrow that leads to ultimate freedom. And that mastery of self and mastery of skill will carry you through to that place of freedom. It's kind of like, um, it really is like a coming of age um, when we have our Saturn return in life uh, every 28 and a half years. Those are often attributed to times in our life where we're kind of growing up and realizing the rules apply to us. But it's not like, um, you've known this Saturn your whole life and Michael, you can't speed, you can't go fast, you'll get a ticket, you can't have any fun. It's you get at that point and you realize, oh, the reason you couldn't drive really fast wasn't because Saturn didn't want you to have any fun. It's because you could wreck and kill yourself or someone else and then neither of you ever fulfill your potential. So it's the necessary parameters that we need to um, evolve into our strength, our highest form, and to follow through to the end. It's the taskmaster. The depiction of Capricorn is the mountain goat. And if you picture like the mountain goat going up the icy Alps, um, and in some of the older tarot cards, they depict um, the Capricorn goat as a unicorn because there is this story of the rainbow body and ascension that is attributed, believe it or not, to this perceived square, you know, um, dogmatic Saturn, but it walks way up there on those icy, rocky Alps where none of us are going to go. We're not going to do that kind of work. So we have no idea what's at the mountaintop, but that Saturn does, that mountain goat does. And there's this, you know, imagery of it being transconfigured from this, um, this mountain goat into this beautiful magical unicorn. And so the the whole premise of that is the magic happens at the top of the mountain when you follow it through, you stay the course, you master the skill and, and you finish the journey, you know, and that's how Saturn can be looked at in a totally different light than an oppressive or suppressive uh, restrictive energy it can be a very supportive energy of mastery and evolution evolution it's our karmic evolution it's very important yeah it sounds like a like an evolutionary uh, or even an archetype of a parent you know like a loving parent you're going to give you a little structure this is your task we're going to help you mm -hmm. i'm going to support you but you know we're going to guide you to as well and you got some rules you gotta you know mm -hmm. and these rules we know a little bit we've been around a little bit longer but it's right. also it's father time yeah it's father time, but also mm -hmm. I heard with, with Saturn too, as well. It is one of those transformative, uh, uh, planets too, as well. I've heard stories where it's, you know, you're going into the fire of Saturn and stuff like that. And you basically come, it's that Phoenix energy too, as well. Uh, is that true or not? Or is that just something that maybe I just maybe mixed up? Well, there definitely is an oppressive side to Saturn. And when we meet with restrictions in our lives, oftentimes, and we, we see this right now, we have Saturn in Aquarius. Aquarius represents the collective humanity. Um, and we have these worldly restrictions going on with Saturn transiting Aquarius. That's a very tangible, obvious expression that we are experiencing in our lives right now. Um, so it can be restrictive. But ultimately, it is um, in Saturn's view anyway, for a purpose is creating a structure, something is being restricted for a reason. Um, it's not just because it's trying to keep you from, you know, having any fun in life. It's, it's so that you can live to enjoy the fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's always, a, there's always those uh, hid meanings to everything too, as well, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and I just find it so fascinating, you know, I, I really appreciate you kind of illuminating because I've learned so much so far because, you know, I've heard about like the houses, I've heard about the planets, but I really didn't have the understanding of it. When I'm listening to you, it's like, God, that makes sense. And I remember not too long ago, you posted this thing and I can't remember for the life of me what it exactly was, but I just remember it's like, God damn, that resonated so well. It's <laughs> almost like, it's like, how did you like, I, you know, and so much now, and I think a lot of people are feeling it. They actually feel the shifts in energy. They can feel like, I have friends of mine going, geez, do you feel like crap? Like I get a text, like God, what's going on with these crazy energies? I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, again, I really don't know that much about astrology, but then I'll have somebody like you, I'll look at your, you know, Instagram post and be like, Oh, take a look at this. This is what's going on. And this is what's happening. And do you find people are now are just feeling it more because they're just more aware of what's going on. They just feel like more more awareness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it really boils down to a shift in awareness and a longing, a longing to expand the understanding of the spiritual realm. We're seeing that shift. And part of that 
is the shift into Aquarius. You know, we're leaving the old Capricorn density earth um, rain, and we are moving into this Aquarian advanced um, higher cosmic um, understanding and, and technological advancement. We are literally shifting into the age of Aquarius now. And so that's why that shift is coming with humanity. Um, so that is the 10th house. And then just real quickly, the last two houses, the 11th house <clears throat> is the house of others, our groups. It is humanity. It's ruled by Aquarius. Um, so this is the collective, you know, in our own personal chart. I often say the 10th house is the sole purpose work we incarnated to do. And then the 11th house is the group, the groups of people, the others that we share that with. And so it's our inner circle, those people that we choose to have community with, our tribe, you know, um, our groups of people. That's the 11th house. And Aquarius um, rules the 11th house. And then Uranus is the ruler of Aquarius. And Uranus is the radical game changer. Uranus is the, um, the, the shocking shift. It's also associated with electromagnetic activity, volcanic activity, earthquakes, eruptions. So it can be, again, literal or metaphorical. It can be feel like a jolt because of what's happening in the collective Aquarius society with that suppression Saturn, like these are shocking things we've never experienced. Um, but Uranus and Aquarius are the future. Uranus sees the future. It is the higher cosmic mind, right? And so it may seem shocking to us because we're right here. We don't see the bigger picture, right? The, sh the shift at the end. And that's the 11th house. And then the final house, when you come back full circle, is the 12th house of of transcendentalism when our spirit leaves the body and that's the house of Pisces and um, Pisces is ruled by Neptune and this is Neptune is the ruler of that watery nebulous life beyond the veil you know that is the spiritual realm the angelic realm life beyond the physical veil and Neptune is the ruler of that and so Neptune is one of those things that is a very double um, edged sword as well because it can be wonderful spiritual blessings, limitless possibilities, divine inspiration, a connection with spiritual energy. And the 12th house in Pisces is associated with film and production and theater and music and all these things that help us escape reality. And so it can also be the house of escapism where we do anything to check out of reality which can be a very nebulous realm. And so if we don't have a lot of discerning, uh, we can get carried away in that. And so just a perfect example of that, Neptune, which is the ruler of Pisces, moved into its home sign in like 2012. It's a very slow moving planet. And um, this is the house of escapism. And think about since 2012, like a huge rise in the opioid epidemic and mental illness and, Yes, yes. And so that's because it's, it's, you know, exhausted right now, this escapism, a way to check out of reality, especially, you know, with some pretty um, chaotic things going on in our world, there's that propensity towards that. And so there's this saying with that Neptune world is that, you know, it can, it can be seen things through rose colored glasses. Is it an illusion? Um, because nothing there's really real or tangible. We can't really touch it. It doesn't have physical form. It is that spiritual realm beyond the physical. And so, you know, it's, it's something to um, really handle with discernment. And we have a lot of that happening next year in 2022 um, with, with the Pisces realm. So, um, I, you know, I believe that the escapism will continue. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and so will the spiritual awakening. You know, wherever you are in your journey, if you are plugged into seeking that spiritual answer and evolving as a spiritual person in a human body, um, that Neptune realm can be a wonderful blessing. It can be ultimate compassion and, and the, it's the dream world. It can be a dream come true, right? And the other side of that is if, you know, you are really not grounded into reality at all. Um, that it can be a form of, of escapism and that can be very dangerous. You know, sometimes yeah. I, I, found, I found a lot of people like that, especially when they use, they use that for spirituality, they kind of just escape into that, you know, the woo woo of it. 
and the they get lost in that nebulous and it's like a, a, a spiritual bypass and just it not- is spiritual bypass michael you know i i am all about you know awakening spiritually and using our astrological chart to do that but let's not forget we incarnated for the human experience right yeah. i i hear so much about you know ascension and expansion of consciousness and you know channeling higher beings and connecting with these you know, other entities and and other dimensions. And that's a wonderful thing. But what can it do to help us here on this earth right now? Is it going to help feed anyone? Is it going to help us learn to grow our crops better? What is the purpose of that spiritual connection? Because that that spirit realm doesn't need us, right? Our job is to bring heaven down to earth in a tangible physical human experience. I'm so glad you said that. That's exactly the way I feel. So many (laughs) of my friends, I just, I bang my head sometimes against the wall and I'm just thinking, you know, I love the woo-woo. No, don't get me wrong. My channel is a little bit about woo-woo, but it's about practical woo-woo. And that's, I love how you just, you coined that and you said, it's exactly it. It's like how, you know, let's take some of that information and how are we going to apply it to everyday life? There's people starving. We have wars, we have this, we have disease, we have all these crazy stuff. Let's use some of that deep knowledge and move it into it. You know, the essential practical expression in a human form. Love it. You know? I just felt and, like I went to it church. It is a possibility. You know, it is a possibility to bring that spiritual realm down into uh, an earthly experience for certain. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's what we always do. I mean, I always look at everything that it's ever been invented. You know, I come from that belief that uh, everything that's invented has already been invented. And it's just that you just plug into that particular invention. And if you got the right background and knowledge, you develop that. I mean, it all comes from source anyways, right? So mm-hmm. let's take some that's of that exactly source. Right take some of that source energy and let's just, let's make things happen here. And um, I love that. I just felt like I just went to church and I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm sitting in the pew there and you're just giving a sermon. And I just like, oh, yes. Somebody who actually thinks like I do. And I just, I, but you know what? There's so many people on my channel that do think like this now and which is so fa- fantastic. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. And I think we are getting a bigger awareness of, that need to not do spiritual bypassing, the need to face our shadow, to look at the dark parts, like the Scorpio part of our chart. And, you know, that propensity towards escapism from reality to the point that it's detrimental, you know, and uh, we, we have a bigger awareness of that. People are, are using those words now, like spiritual bypass. And, um, you know, all of these things have a place at a time in a process, you know, whether it's a law of attraction, um, but there are skip steps and you can find those clues in your, in your personal chart too, of what may have been a skip step in a past lifetime and how not to repeat that in this lifetime. And if you don't believe in past incarnations, just know earlier in this life, it's been in the past, right? And so we have a chance to do something different. Yeah. yeah, because a lot of times we just repeat the same cycles over and over again, and we just don't realize that we do it. Uh, you know, we, we just like to stay comfortable, and even though the comfortable is painful uh, in some ways, we just don't realize we're creating these same patterns. But I think a lot of people who do venture into astrology, you do, do have a, you know an inkling, even though they may not be hundred percent into past lives. I mean, I'm so into past lives. Like, I mean, I can remember stuff like now, like it's just crazy. <laughs> I was just actually, it's funny. I had a meditation today. I was lying down and all of a sudden I got like transported to this time when I was in Italy. And I was like, I don't, I don't really, like, I was like, where am I? And I was like, this looks like Italy. And then I just kept just following it through. And it's like this crazy lifetime that I lived in Sicily as a priest. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like, I could totally see that. I could totally see you as a yeah. priest in Italy. Good. Yeah, I do love my Sicilian desserts too, as well. So I, I definitely know yeah. there's something there. I don't speak Italian where crap, but Hey, you know, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's, it's always so fascinating with, you know, astrology and you know, it's like so many people have used it over the years. I remember, I remember when I was younger, there was the stories that used to run about President Reagan. Do you remember but his wife, Nancy? Mm-hmm. And she would be like, she would actually, you know, this is actually something the president of the United States was using an astrologer. No, he technically didn't do it. But I hear his wife has a major his influence wife. was, you know, and all the great changes. And they made sure that certain things were done on certain times. Like, you know, if Mercury retrograde, people know don't sign contracts. You know, you don't want to go to well, camp. You know, even that depends on your own 
personal chart, Michael. I'm so glad really? you said that. Yes, it does. For example, right. I have Mercury retrograde in my natal chart. It's a great time for me to hash the deal. It's a great time for my mind and my ideas to be verbalized and uh, really, you know, dot my eyes and cross my T's. And so, yes, that's a general rule, but that's where studying your own personal chart can really peel back the layers. And so you could go your whole life thinking, oh, Mercury retrograde, I shouldn't sign contracts or start anything new, or I'm going to have to repeat it. And that may not be the case for your chart. It may be the wow. best time. Wow. Yeah. That's really good advice because I just, I was one of those guys that like, what I've learned was, you know, if Mercury here, Mercury's in retrograde, don't do anything that, you know, don't start anything new, you know, make sure if you are signing contracts, if you have to sign a contract, wait it out a bit, you know, all that stuff. Well, that's really interesting that you say that if it's in your house, it, it is your house, it could be a good thing. Right. And you can have lots of planets in retrograde in your natal chart. And so that's going to affect you differently. And all of the planets at some point, um, including the points like the, the nodes of destiny um, station retrograde. Well, they're always retrograde, but yeah. And so it's important to know that, you know, do I have any planets in retrograde in my chart? And so that's a time when those planets are in retrograde again, that's your comfort zone. That's what your spirit knows. That's what it was when you incarnated. So you can navigate that energy a lot more effectively and not be as affected um, in, a, in a lower vibration experience like other people would be. So this is where, you know, knowing your own chart really, really can be beneficial and navigating whatever energies are moving through collectively. Yeah, I, I think, and again, I think it's just one more thing to find out more about yourself and your your own soul's growth too, as well. I think it's so fascinating, and part of, I think of this journey is to find more about ourselves, you know, to learn more about who we are and evolve um, and understand ourselves. Um, I heard this quote once: "Like you better get, you better find out who you really are, and enjoy who you really are, because you're going to be with them for the rest of your life." And we're That's right. About- I always say I have to sleep with me the rest of my life. That's why, you know, things like self-honesty and integrity and self-accountability are important. You have to live with you forever. Yeah. And it's not just this lifetime, everybody. It's it's forever. Forever. Like, <laughs> yeah, forever is a long time. It is. Yeah. This, this is this is just a finite body, but the soul lasts forever. So you got to make sure you love yourself. And that's just really important. So I know we touched on 2022 and some of the influences up there. And this is going to be airing in 2022. What are some of the things could we look forward to? And maybe we might be, a, you know, we should maybe pay attention to in the next, in this 2022 coming up. Well, it's a pretty big year. Um, one important thing is that we have a shift in the nodal axis and the nodes are the nodes of destiny. Our North node of destiny, where we're headed towards and our South node of the past. And the nodes of destiny transiting, and we have them in our natal chart too. You look to where the node of destiny was. This is the lunar node. So much like the earth has an equator, North Pole and a South Pole, the moon has a North node and a South node. And the moon is on a fixed orbit in the ecliptic. It doesn't revolve like the earth. So we don't ever see the dark side of the moon the north. So this north node of destiny kind of represents our unseen future, you know, where we're headed. And the south node is that part we're letting go of, moving away from that um, to embrace our future, our unknown future. And so with the transiting nodes of destiny, they shift signs every 18 months. And um, in January, actually, January the 18th, for the first time in 18 years, the North Node of Destiny ships out of Gemini and into Taurus, the fixed Earth sign ruled by Venus, which means the South Node moves out of Sagittarius and into Scorpio. So all of 2022 and into 2023, we have a nodal shift, a shift in destiny, a shift in a timeline. So now we're in the energy, this axis, because everything is a mirror image, a polarity, a duality in our charts and our lives and the world and the universe and the multiverse. And so in 2022, the North Node of Destiny moves into the fixed Earth sign of Taurus, opposite the fixed water sign of Scorpio, the emotional depths. And this is the axis of what do I have in a physical world? Um, that I consider abundant, uh, that soothes my senses, that I value in terms of love and money and the material opposite the South Node, 
um, shared resources. What do we share on a deep uh, inner connectedness, a spiritual, emotional connection? Um, and so that is the emotional and the physical, the, um, the depths and the physical presentation. And this is huge because we have been in for the past 18 months, Gemini and Sagittarius. So the North Node has been in Gemini, ruled by Mercury, the thoughts, the ideas, the communication. So January 18th, when we have a nodal shift, these thoughts take form. These ideas, these conversations that we've been having, they play out in a practical, physical, material way. They materialize, they manifest. And so the conversations that we're having, the creative ideas that we're, you know, having with our family, our communities, with others, the collaborations, they take physical form next year. And um, Taurus is the grounded earth sign. It's about sustainability. It's uh, the basic needs. What do I have to feel safe and secure in my home, my body, you know, our body is the most important home we ever occupy. And so Taurus is ruled by Venus, which rules our values in terms of love, money, material realm, the physical world, and feeling abundant and um, secure and stable. This is your dependable, stable earth sign. It's the most grounded earth sign. And so we're going to see a shift into all right, so these things have changed in our world in the past year and a half. We're having all these conversations about it. Now, what are some tangible, tangible, practical solutions that we can do to improve the conditions? All right, so we can't travel. We can't, you know, ship things as easily. There's still going to be, you know, some restrictions and some shutdowns in 2022. In fact, you know, we have had this ongoing square to Saturn from Uranus and Taurus all year in 2021. That carries on into 2022. But what we're going to see, I do believe, is some some tangible some solutions. You know, okay, so we can't get it from there or receive it from here or travel to there. So let's grow our own organic garden. And how can we barter with our uh, neighbors? And how can we uh, create things that physically help other people to be sustained and sustain ourselves. And so it'll be a real draw back to the basic elements of nature. You know, where do we get our food, our water, our shelter? How much do we really need? You know, because what we had um, during a global pandemic was a real shift in value. So we started to see some things that we used to value that we don't value so much anymore, right? And some that we used to not place much value on, we now see are of the utmost importance. And so because Venus rules our values and is in the sign of Taurus where the North Node is shifting, what's the practical expression of that? Do we, um, will we how do we monitor our resources? How much do we really need to sustain us? There will be a huge shift in this. Um, and it's it's a very practical expression that still makes you feel abundant. You know, what what soothes my senses? What do what makes me happy? Do I love being in nature? Um, maybe I leave my corporate job and I downsize my house and I get a tiny home and I travel around to national parks and take a walk in nature every day. And we think that um, we're letting go of something, but maybe if it's in alignment with our values, then that brings us more abundance. We feel more abundant. It doesn't have to be a tangible monetary um, piece of money to make us feel like we have abundance. So we're letting go of those old programmed ideas um, of that dark, dense Capricorn patriarchal reign that consequently ended um, in 2020. And now we're shifting into this air energy of Aquarius. And so everything that was dismantled in our everyday lives, in our world in 2020 and 2021, now we're, we're gaining some practical solutions. It's radical shifts because Uranus is there in Taurus. Yep. You know, just because something is radical and shocking doesn't mean that it doesn't have a practical, tangible solution. Yeah. You can do something radical, but it can prove your life in a practical way. Yeah. 
and it, again, it could be a, a something as simple, like you said, like just deciding not to spend so much, change your job. Like, you know, there's a small little simple things that you can change. Some of it like will be radical. Like for a lot of people, changing their job will be radical. They've been there for 20, 30 years and it's like, screw this corporate crap, you know, mm-hmm. and let's just make some changes that are more in alignment with that. And uh, yeah, it's just so- They'll make practical adjustments so that they can live- more in accordance to their values and actually have abundance instead of, you know, buying into that old paradigm of what money and success and that programming of, you know, that societal reign has created and what we've lived in. And so now we're getting back to basics, like, you know, our values have shifted, like what is really important? How much do I really need? How much am I wasting? How could I do this differently? you know, so that basic needs could be met and there could be less excess, you know, so we'll have a bigger awareness in how we're taking care of our earth, um, how we're using our resources, um, how we value our resources, because a lot of things that we're used to getting with ease will be more difficult to get. And so we will, we'll have to be more practical and come up with some solutions. Right. And yeah, that's, that's what, you know, that's a kind of the great thing about humanity. Like when we can finally do something and we get it, we, you know, we can just make things happen so quickly, you know, for the benefit, benefit of everybody else. And uh, yeah, it's, I'm looking forward to 2022. I'm kind of, you know, this, I mean, it wasn't as bad as last year and the year before was just, just shit for me to be honest with you. And <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, it was, a sh- it was a sh- for many to- of us. Yeah. 2019 kicked me in the ass. And then it just, it, like I got punched in the face, kicked me ass and then thrown on the street. And then basically, you know, 2020 happened and it's like, oh Lord can get any worse. And, but uh, so we're kinda- getting, we're getting creative, right? You yeah. know, we're coming up with new innovative ways. That's Uranus, the ruler of Aquarius and Taurus where the North node is shifting. Let's have some breakthroughs. Let's, you know, come up with some solutions. Let's get innovative with it. Let's, let's do something differently. Cause the way we've been doing it, it's crumbled. It's dismantled. It wasn't working. So let's find some creative solutions. And, you know, so the North node ships into Taurus and very interestingly, uh, the ruler of Taurus is Venus. And as we start out 2022 and on into uh, most of the year, Venus is in retrograde at the end of 2021 in the sign of Capricorn, the old paradigm that's crumbling, allowing us, Venus will be there um, through March, doesn't completely leave. It will be in retrograde till January of 29 or 2021, and then doesn't leave shadow until March. And so really the first part of 2022, our values are retrograding much like Mercury does through the old, through the past to see what are we still hanging on to that no longer serves us from these old structures in society. You know, this is the structures of society, Capricorn of our everyday lives. And so Venus has given us a deep dive look into that from November to March. And in Capricorn with Venus is Pluto, the Lord of the underworld, the great dissolver, our soul's evolutionary growth. And so Pluto is now direct our power. You know, where is our power in acting in our values? And if you break this down and really look at this, Michael, here's Venus, the ruler of Taurus, the North Node. Here's Pluto, the ruler of Scorpio, the South Node, traveling together in Capricorn, the old systems that are crumbling. So here's our personal power to act on our values and do something different. And our ability to do things differently in an abundant way is directly proportional to our ability to let go of those old systems that no longer support us, that we are hanging on to because of those very Tarian Um, attributes like responsibility, practicality, um, a sense of loyalty. I was committed to it, you know, or even just plain habit because that's what I've always done. So to the degree that we can break that programming, can we really grab for a newer um, presentation of a new practicality? And that's the big theme really of 2022. We're getting some help right off the bat with Venus and Pluto, you know, the rulers of this nodal shift. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a very impactful year for a lot of people. And, uh, 
Yeah. And it's also, I'm launching season two for this, uh, this podcast too. So it's, it's been an evolutionary change too, as well. And that being said, Don, we're out of time. Well, thank you so much for having me and just allowing me to ramble on about the things that I get very excited about, but I um, loved it. I loved every minute of it. I just sat back and I just learned and I listened and I appreciate that. I mean, I'm just so grateful that you spent the time with us today to explain that to and, and, uh, impart all that information and knowledge onto us. So, but that being said, Don, if somebody wants to find your services, they want to reach out, they want a, you know, a little bit more knowledge about their own birth chart and the astrological events happening that could be so profound. I highly recommend that everybody It's so profound and they want a reading. Where can they find you, Don? They can find me at, um, on Instagram at the Dawn of Astrology, Facebook, same thing at the Dawn of Astrology or littledbelk at gmail.com. Send me an email. It's listed on all my link trees on all social media and um, just need your date of birth, time of birth, if you have it. If not, we can work with that and city and state of birth. And um, even if you don't get a reading, at least, you know, learn how to create your own birth chart. And there, luckily, there's a lot of information out there. The biggest thing is learning your own personal chart. And if you know where you are, you know how what's going on around you affects you. Yeah. And it really, it really just, just from that basic knowledge, it's going to be so important just for your overall growth. And you can see why things are happening and it really bring to a, a lot, illuminate some of that shadow work too, as well. You can really kind of see, okay, this is where it's screwing up. This is why, you know, I haven't been able to find a job. This is why, you know, maybe I'm, I'm confused with where my direction is and you can kind right. of see what's going on and it can be really, really profound. And I've only heard so many good things about your readings oh, and yeah, yeah. A lot of, uh, a lot of great people saying that. And that being said, Don, I'm just going to close off the podcast. Well, thank you so much, everybody. So this has been the Metaphysical Mentor Podcast with Michael Philpott. Thank you so much for joining me and goodbye for now.